0: Yo. <laughs> hey, it's rough times over here, dude. dude.
1: You're a fucking
0: mess. It is rough.
1: Oh, fatherhood, dude. You know, you wear it well.
0: Um, my mom <laughs> literally just got here, the dog's freaking out. I didn't even get a chance to transfer the baby to her. She's going to babysit for a few hours so I can go get my hair cut and shave, maybe take a shower today.
1: Wow big time big time yep but hey
0: i say it's rough it's actually the best of times right exactly. i mean it
1: is i'm not joking sure whatever you say pal ah.
0: <laughs> never felt so alive it's so right. intense
1: right right <laughs> it's going to be okay
0: yeah i'll survive we got a good partner so it's uh dividing mm-hmm. the work dividing the workload by you know, in half is um,
1: significant help. Yeah, you're a smart man. Thank you. All the right things. Saying all and the by, right things.
0: <laughs> yeah, and by dividing it in half, I mean I do 20%. Exactly.
1: You mean you're not going on a surf trip?
0: Well, no, but I'm up here recording a podcast and I walk down just to grab my coffee she's breastfeeding so, or um pumping so she's got pumps on each breast and the baby sitting in the middle like rocking the baby so she's doing
1: All right. <laughs> god bless her god bless her yeah all right <clears throat> well as we say Some movement at the takeoff zone. It's Kelly Slater grabbing rail. A clean entry. This thing holding open. It spits. When it spit me, I thought it was going to spit me off my board. Comes out with
2: the spit. Spits him out. Comes out after the spit. Gets spat out of another good-looking
1: wave here. Spit. 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 We're just spitballing, right? Yeah, guy.
2: Welcome, all. Welcome. I never know.
1: Yeah, guy. Welcome, everybody. It's spit. It is the spit podcast. It's Tuesday, January 11th, it's 8 in the morning here in Southern California, and I'm Scott Bass, along with our illustrious father and co-host, David Lee Scales. Welcome, David. Good morning. Um, Uh,
0: New father, but you're the pod father, technically.
1: So a couple
0: of fathers here. Hey, it's um, 11 days, as you stated, into the new year, and listeners want to know, how many surfboards have you purchased in 2022 thus far?
1: well that's interesting um the answer is zero um i did send taylor knox at uh something on instagram yesterday like dude i'll just buy your used board how much for your used board? Just, <laughs> he's got a board that i want that he let me ride and i'm i'm kind of jonesing for it and uh he's ghosted me he's just like no no comment i'm off so to-
0: I know the board you're talking about. You talk about riding it in
1: Mexico with him. Um, didn't you order one from Chris Borst? I think I did. I mean, I, I I sent him a thing. It Was like, hey, where should I send the money? You know, and i It was just kind of like, yeah, hey, no problem. Okay, we'll get it going. You know, and I haven't haven't had any follow up from him.
0: Um, so it's I've pretty, pretty had pretty an interesting, interesting as it relates to Borst. Yeah, incidentally, um, this is a broader conversation. And I'm going to have it throughout the year, I think, with different people interviewing them. But we've talked in the past about hand shapers and the shaping machine. And the, the kind of thought was, oh, yeah, handshapers, it's art. And then the machine, it's kind of uh, it's science and there's no soul in it. I think there's a new category that's emerged in the past five years. And Chris probably is the best example of it, which is an artist who uses the machine you know, like he's so good and adept at, uh, what he's doing, mainly from a design. I don't mean the machine itself. I mean, from a design standpoint that it's, it's transferred into the realm of artistry.
1: Yeah, this, this is actually, you're right. This is a great, um, discussion to be had. Right. And, and I will say this, and I don't know enough about it to speak with uh, any sort of complete authority, but from what I've learned, um, I would, Chris uh, Borst has got technology that nobody else has. Like he's like an engineer and I can't speak for Chris, but I wonder if he might bristle a little bit at the artist moniker and he might maybe, again, I can't speak for him. Perhaps uh, we should interview him, (laughs) but I think he might rather have the moniker of engineer attached to him rather than artist. Um, and that's not to say that what he's creating and or not to say that engineers can't be artistic because I think you do get to a place where it's like holy crap you know like I mean even if you look at um, who is the guy that did those drawings of helicopters way back in like the 16th century Da Vinci right oh Um, yeah yeah. um, anyway I mean that could be considered art you know but back then he was like engineer I'm gonna you know so the thing about what I've learned from Taylor about Chris is that his machine is unlike any others. He has an engineering background. He's like super smart, um, like science guy. And from what I've heard, his machine can spit out a board ready to be glassed Like Chris doesn't even have to touch it. And in fact, he doesn't want to because he's got it so dialed that he's like, that's the board right there. There's no need, you know, now you did mention something earlier, um, which is, you know, that was sort of poo pooed and, Frankly, right. I was one of the guys poo-pooing it about 15 years ago, which is why Sacred Craft started. Well, and it wasn't against the machine, but it was against the culture of the Southern California shaper getting sort of sidelined by this stuff coming in from Asia. That was sort of like the, you know, like I just felt like the culture was getting overrun and or getting yeah. forgotten. You know, like the, the Craig Hollingsworths of the world, the Matt Moores of the world, the the, um, you know, the, uh, whoever, you know, the Doug Houts of the world that all of these, you know, hundreds of incredible shapers who come from the shaping tree of, you know, Dick Brewer as the seed of all of these guys. And it all spreads from all of these, you know, from, you know, Tommy Zahn and from friggin Joe Quig, like, you know, like, I just felt like I was like, Oh my God, that whole thing is just getting pushed to the side. You walk into the surf shop in 2008 and you see all this weird stuff from Asia and, and those, and that was just, look, that's a long conversation about 2005 and Clark foam closing and blah, blah, blah. And it goes on and should probably be written down in a really well researched form. But what I was getting at is that's no longer the case. The case is now is that we have a booming robust um, Pacific coast and frankly North American shaper industry like there's a bunch of us and they're everywhere there's you and me and we work in the industry and it's really um, like I say it's robust so um, you know times are changing and it's and it's and Chris Borst I think is fascinating and I would also say this I think there's a lot of those sort of like um, I don't know how would you characterize them but sort of like hardcore hand shaper guys that are like very very interested in what Chris Borst is doing. Oh, totally. Because yeah. they're they're like, wow, man, this is like pretty cool shit, you know?
0: Yeah. And-, and I I think because they've recognized exactly what we're talking about, the machine wasn't isn't just being used anymore to hit volume and to outsource. It's now being used uh, to improve upon like these very subtle refinements, you know, from the design kind of standpoint, and then just being able to. Uh, manufacture it on the machine itself, but the design is kind of where the focus is for guys like Chris. And I agree that some, him included, might not love the name, the the title of artistry, but there is, a, at a certain level of um, engineering, it becomes poetry, you know? Math, yeah. Yeah. math at its kind of uh, highest level is poetic. And you start, those mathematicians see the poetry in it and that's how they're able to execute. Um, And so that's kind of what I think I'm referring to. And yeah, so I think it's interesting. And yeah, the conversation about the machine being vilified is almost, I haven't even heard for the last five years. I think everybody's accepted its value, but now this thing that I'm talking about is kind of the next evolution, you know, where there are these
1: uh, mathematician type engineers. A couple of things, Um, what was that movie, wasn't it called like a brilliant mind or something?
0: A beautiful mind. A beautiful mind, yeah.
1: That sort of speaks to the artistry and mathematics. And then the other thing that I think this conversation parallels is big wave surfing and the towing phenomenon that occurred, say, in 2000, around 19. Yeah, yeah, totally. And and what you had is, you know, you had Laird and Dave Kalama and these guys putting out this movie. They put out a movie called uh, All Aboard the Crazy Train or something like that. And it was basically them going, Hey everybody, hold on! Just because you got a ski and uh, you know a tow rope and a tow board doesn't mean you're you're qualified to be surfing out here at Jaws. We can't have hundred and fifty guys on skis out here just that just went to Costco and bought a ski and a and a you know a board. And and what happened? And it was all quite you know a natural evolution. What happened is, um, there was sort of this hey, let's see if you can actually paddle into these waves. If you can paddle into these big waves, then you know what? If you feel it's not paddleable anymore and it's time for a ski, then okay. Or if you just feel like like Kai Lenny, we know he can paddle into it, but he wants to get on a foil with a friggin' wingsuit and do some crazy shit. No one's going to bark at him because he can paddle the wave. And I think that's the case with shapers. Like If you can hand shape, and and everyone knows it everyone in the culture it's a small little society you live in here Uh, everyone knows that you can hand shape then use the machine yeah you know as but if you're like johnny machine guy who's afraid of who's never put in you know has never done 100 boards by you know whatever the number is then it's kind of like oh okay you know what you know it's looked at a little bit skeptically i think right
0: yeah, it's interesting. It's been an interesting evolution. Um, so to answer my question, you've bought zero boards in 2022, but you've attempted to buy two.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, one and a yeah. half. Yeah, I mean, I, there's definitely a board I want. But what's funny is that as it looks like the high pressure in the North Pacific broke down and there's some swell potentially coming our way for the next week or whatever, we'll see. I don't think it's going to be that big, but that's another topic. Um, I've gone back to one of my, you know, go to winter boards, which is my Ryan Sakel Sabre twin fin. And I broke it out the other day and I was just like, oh, you know, it's, it's like, you know, it feels like the first time, you know, that foreigner song I was I like, did. oh yeah, this is, you know, what it's all about. And,
2: yeah. and I,
1: and I, I had some keel fins and I put my NVS uh, C drive fins in it and got it all waxed up and prepped. And I wrote it just to kind of get it under my feet again. And I was like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah.
0: (laughs) This board works really good. It's the, yeah. when you have the good thing about having a large quiver, as you and I both do is those boards stay fresh, you know, like you probably you did ride that saber a lot, but then it went on ice. And so it's still a year later, it still has a lot of that zing and pop and fresh feeling to it. Um, I also feel that way. It feels like the first time whenever I revisit the, C drive fins. Cause I'll swap them out for whatever reason. And I'll just get comfortable and complacent riding what I'm riding. And then I put the C drives back in and it's like, Oh yeah, I love these things. I should be riding these things all the time. You know?
1: Yeah. I'm, I was, uh, now might be a good time to just mention the NBS as one of our sponsors and um, but, SurfNBS.com. Uh, I, I, would, I wouldn't ride the fins if I didn't love them. And I've told those guys that, you know, and uh, I'm pretty psyched on them.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Um, Well, Hawaii is happening. We got lots to discuss there. The Burley board rider single fin event is happening. Where would you like to begin this? Oh, stab surfer of the year. We have some updates there. Where would you like to begin?
1: Um, You you know what? Anywhere you want. I will say that at some point, you know, last week we spoke about um, Derek Hines sort of breakdown of the tour coming up and who's moving up and who's moving down. And I haven't done that, but I have, Brought some bullet points to a conversation that you and I can have about the surfers that we think um, are going to going to make the mid season cutoff and the surfers who will not make the mid season cutoff. And let's do it. Uh, we can go there if you're interested. So
0: I'm interested.
1: Okay, so um, the season's going to kick off here in February at Pipe, and then it goes to Sunset, and then it goes to Portugal, and then it goes to whole uh, Australia. I think there's the Bell's event and the Margaret River event, two events in Australia. So those five events are the first half of the season. And after those five events, there is a mid-season cutoff. They go from 36 surfers to 24 surfers on the championship tour. Now, because they have this, um, you know, the final five thing, I thought we would start there, David. So, and we spoke a little bit about this last week. Surfers in the top five, David, most likely that will not make the cutoff. And I've positioned these um, and I'm not saying that they won't make the cutoff because these guys are in the top five. They're incredible. but so the you know the odds or the percentages that they don't make the top 24 are are pretty high. Um, but if I suggested to you of those five, I sense that based on the schedule I just put in front of you that Morgan Sybillic is the surfer in the top five, most likely to not make the cut from 36 to 24 where where do you see morgan what is the percentages do you think that he's that that's just a silly argument that he's good enough to no matter what he'll be in the top 24
0: out of the top if i had to pick one surfer out of the top five i would agree with you he's the most likely to not make it um he is a very good surfer but so much I think of his scoring this year was based on the fact that we had never heard of him before. And it was all novelty All right, in mean, novelty in the sense that it was new. Um, so there's a sophomore slump that happens. That's pretty well documented. So he can be affected by that. And part of that is the freshness on the judge's eyes. You know, we kind of know what to expect to him. There's high expectations. And so for him to be able to live up to that, ultimately he's got to be going to the air probably because if he just keeps bringing the same game that he brought, it's going to score a point or two less than it did last year.
1: Well, he surprised us in many ways um, in sort of his, um, I mean, he didn't seem like a rookie, you know, like he had sort of a, a moxie about him in the water that you went, wow, this guy's really performing, you know, like, cause we could, you know, we were kind of like, you know, the third event or whatever, like, okay, let's really see what this guy has. And he kept bringing it. And yeah. um, but you do have to bring into consideration the sophomore slump and the pressure that's put on him. And the fact that last year was at Newcastle and yeah. um,
0: That's huge. That's a great point. How's he going to do it? Pipe and sunset ultimately.
1: Right. And has he ever traveled to Portugal? Probably has. most of these surfers are world travelers, but, um,
0: but he's kind of really, he, he settled into his contract at a time when there was no traveling. So there's an argument could be made that he actually hasn't been portugal
1: so he's the full wild card of those top five that's the one that i think we both agree are uh, isn't going to make it if if there is going to be one he could you could easily see him going into the last event before the cutoff at margaret river needing to like win it (laughs) to get
0: through so so a couple of examples of who this has happened to in the past Connor o'leary you know came out guns blazing making finals and stuff in his rookie year and then failed to requalify uh uh, during his sophomore year um ethan ewing didn't do as well as first year but he had that much hype i'd argue even more talent than morgan and failed to requalify jack freestone had a similar trajectory there's kind of a long list of this happening and with each of those they were more exciting than morgan to me so i think morgan could easily fall into that trap um but whatever well, we'll see. I don't want to. I don't want to really put too yeah. much shade on him, but
1: no, I don't either. I'm just bringing this. I, up I guess. Here.
0: I guess the argument, him not making the top five, I would bet money on, or him not making the top ten, I would make bet money on, even. But him not uh, making the cutoff is a little farther of a grasp. But it's well, possible.
1: I'm. I'm just asking you to put a percentage on it. You know, like 22 percent. Yeah. yeah. I was 22.5, you know what I mean? 22.5% that Morgan doesn't make the cutoff. And, uh, but yeah, you're right. I mean, we'll see how it goes. The other two that I threw on there, you know, we mentioned Felipe would be like the crazy one that didn't make it. And that's pretty much,
0: that'd be a big money, big money, because that would be a big
1: payoff. That would be a big payoff.
0: So the argument, I mean, the reality is, um, even if he does poorly at the first two events, which we, I would bet that he will, he's such a tenacious competitor that he'll make up that ground in Portugal and in uh, Australia.
1: And then the other one of those five that I threw on there just for discussion is Conor Coffin because he sort of punched above his weight class last year. Is that, is that being too critical of him or would you agree with that?
0: It's a very fair
1: statement. And so – The thing is, though, with Connor is that he has experience in Hawaii. I could see him getting, you know, to the quarterfinals of pipe. That's not a long shot at all. He's done well there. And, of course, Sunset is just the wild card that it is. No one knows, you know. But But his surfing
0: suits Sunset. Totally,
1: totally, totally agree. So, anyway, let's move on. So, the surfers in the top six through 20, you know, number six through 20 right now as they're rated most likely that would not make the cutoff that would not make the top 24. This is kind of, you know, look, there's a lot that we could go into here. Um, I, I'll throw some names out and you tell me what you think. <laughs> Ethan Ewing, Leonardo Fioravanti, Frederico Marais, Jadson Andre. Those four, they're ranked between 10 and 19 right now. I, you know, maybe we're getting too deep into the woods here.
0: I so. Uh... Let me tell you the ones that I don't want to see make the cutoff. Okay, this is purely They're, based not
1: on their skill level, but on our ability to enjoy the podcast, the broadcast. on
0: our on a, yeah on our ability to enjoy watching a competitive heat. That's right. what it's based on. Frederico okay. Moraes. ditch him. Don't need him anymore.
1: But he could do good at, in the first couple events. Which I mean, is a failure he could of like, win like, sunset. Which he wins is a
0: sunset. yeah, it's a failure of the judging format if he wins <laughs> sunset. I don't as know. Sunset's a say. different
1: beast. Sunset's a different beast. I think there's that's the I one he's, way he's where one... you're like Frederico. I'm okay with Frederico winning. Like his style of surfing, he's kind of like the big Ocker Simon guy. That you know.
0: I know, and he's won the triple crown actually, if memory yeah. serves. And so... so, if not, it was the triple crown rookie maybe of the year that he won or something. But. Um, yeah, he's, he's a totally talented surfer. His fundamentals are sound. It's just not thrilling to watch. You know, he's not exciting to watch. Um, David Silva, I could do away with. I would throw Jadson in this conversation too, except he freaking continues to, I root for him. I see him and he does something so insane. It was at Sunset two two years ago where he requalified needing to make like some crazy result, like the semifinals, you know, and you would never put money on Jadson. And then he went out there and just did it. And he does that all the time. And so despite him having ugly style and his surfing being, um, you could kind of sub him out with a number of other Brazilian goofy footers who kind of have the same approach, David Silva, Miguel Pupo, um, I still root for him. I find myself rooting for him. So I would like to keep him in there just as a wild card. Uh, Yago Dora, unfortunately is out with injuries. So he's ranked number ninth. Oh yeah. He had surgery. So he's going to be out. I'm not sure who will be actually Matt McGillivray. Maybe will be replacing him. Uh, Matt yeah. I think Matt... Number
1: 35 on the list right now. He's ranked. Okay. 35th. Okay. They don't have anything about Yago being out on the tour here, but yeah he
0: announced it on instagram which makes it official um and then leonardo fioravante i'm mixed about you know i have moments where i think he's fantastic addition and then there's moments where he just delivers the same predictable surfing that so many others jeremy flores tiago perez guys like that have in the past
1: yeah well i i wasn't doing this list off i was kind of just doing this list off based off the first five events you know and um I agree, Jatson. Look, how fun would it be? Maybe this is a stretch if he was in the final five at the end of the year. Wild.
0: It'd be so wild.
1: It is a stretch, though. <laughs> okay. Now, here's an interesting one, right? So, Stab did a little interview with Jordy. You may have seen it. And he um, kind of talked about he's got a new kid. They're flying eventually to Hawaii. They'll get there. And his focus is winning Pipe and Sunset. Would it surprise you if Jordy Smith did not make the, the cut? It would very much surprise me. I see him on the rise this year. Do you see him on the rise? <laughs> hey, this is the ninth year in a row that we have had this conversation.
0: <laughs> and it's, in our, it's our obligatory conversation every January.
1: <laughs> you know what I mean? And- Usually I'm writing him off, but for some reason this year, I feel like he's maturing. Okay. And- we need to he's promise to not
0: eyes. we need to promise to not have this conversation for a tenth year in a row. So Jordy, this is your last, this is your last time that you are going to bait us into this debate. The reality is you and I want to have this conversation because we both love his surfing so much. And he's yeah. so talented. He's he's right in that conversation of the greatest surfers to have never won a world title. And um so yes, I would be it would be tragic if he didn't make the cutoff. It would be tragic if he never won a world title. If you really pick apart his surfing, you could make the argument that he can win the world title. Put him next to Gabe Edolo, um, John John Florence. He's got as much power, if not more. He's as adept in the air as any of them. I mean, he really is. You think of you think of Edolo, you think of John John, but go back and look at Jordy from I, ten look, years ago. Okay,
1: ten years ago, Jordy, fine. But even Jordy's still, Jordy thirty four years old, and he's beefing up. I'm not saying he doesn't have it. He's leaned. He he's leaned out. He's actually leaned out. But he, I'm just saying, he's thirty four. I mean, you got to take that into consideration.
0: The one thing that he doesn't quite have the same prowess as those guys in is backside barrels. Going right, he will absolutely go toe-to-toe with any of those guys at the box or north point or back door. But backside in general, and specifically barrels, I don't see him going toe-to-toe at Chopu. I don't see him doing it at G Land with those guys, bobbing, weaving, all that stuff. So that's his Achilles heel. But uh I, I agree. I read that article and I wanted to put money on him. The other thing that he's doing right now is a series that's um, produced by O'Neill, and they're kind of like a vlog type thing. They're following him around. They documented his injury that he got in uh, in South Africa surfing, and I love that. I'm watching that series, and I'm going, "Man, Jordy, he's looking fit. Everything he's saying is right. I feel like he's in the right headspace. He's got married. He has the kids, but he's settled past that now. He can refocus on the tour. Uh, so." I don't know, maybe I wouldn't put money on him, but I wouldn't write him off. That's.
1: Yeah, I sort of have like a, like an old guy bromance, you know, like I, yeah. I want to root for the old guy on tour. And plus he's rootable. Like he's got the game. Totally. So to me, I'm like, you know, he, he's like the underdog story, believe it or not. I, I see Jordy as sort of an underdog. Like when I, I'm like, okay, root for the underdog. That means Jadson. That means Jordy for me, those two guys, you know?
0: Jadson's probably Um,
1: older than Jordy.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Maybe. So Jordy, he doesn't have the grit, you know, like he's, he's been on tour for 15 years. He's been making millions of dollars for that long. And so I think that you lose a little bit of, I don't know, just that steely desire. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, That, that those young guys, you know, it's all still new to eat It's all still Gabriel, maybe not, not as much. Um, So that's the other thing that I worry about with Jordy, but you know, he could be operating from a different purpose now. So.
1: Here's a surfer in the top six through 20 that may not make the cutoff. And we talked about him last week. Kelly. Yeah. What are the percentages? What's the percentage you put on Kelly Slater, not making the cutoff, not being one of the top 24 after the first five events.
0: The percentage is less. The percentage of him not making it is less than Morgan Siblick. So we gave Morgan twenty two point five percent that he wouldn't requalify. I'm saying Kelly's eighteen percent that he won't wow. re-qualify.
1: I would say it's way less than that. I mean, you know, we talked about the five events last week with him too. I just here's an it's, interesting thing. He's a shooting at pipe. Yeah.
0: I wouldn't put money on him for sunset. No, he could, he could finish last or second to last at sunset, Portugal. It's kind of a mix up, like he could do well there or he could get 17th or ninth. So, and then does he even go to Australia? I mean, a, ninth, a
1: ninth, isn't a bad thing. If you're trying to make the cutoff, if you're trying to make the top 24. Yeah, That's true. A second, true. you know, a 17th and a ninth. And then you go to uh, Bells and West Oz. So anyway, yeah. I, I think it's more like 5% that he doesn't make the cutoff. I, I mean, it's Kelly one of the There's another article that Mitchell Shepard wrote on Stab about Kelly's career. I'm sure you saw it. Um, and one of the interesting things to me is that, and this is from Mitchell, over the past five years, Kelly's only strung together one full season of events. And that full year was 2019 when he finished in eighth place. And as Mitchell writes, that's likely a better reflection of his current ability to finish the season in eighth place. I found that interesting. Only one year of full season uh, in the past five.
0: It's super interesting. I don't think that's uh, comparable to his current state.
1: You don't think he's a top 10? Barely.
0: I mean, when you read the names, Gabriel, Felipe, Idalo uh, Griffin, Jordy, Kanoa. Those are guys that I, you know, I could see besting Kelly across the venues. Kelly could beat him at pipe or some of those guys. He could best at pipe. He could best at when the waves are good and eight feet. But for the most part, those guys are
1: more fiery at this point. Are you, do you have any of that old guy bromance for Kelly Slater? Who's 50 freaking years old. He's a five. Oh, he's 50 years
0: old, man. I have so much of it, but I've learned to shed it over doing years of this podcast and him, you know, disappointing. I I mean, I just, I kind of, I see it more, I've lost some of the um, adoration or veneration that I had from my my youth and just kind of see the stats more now. And the reality is he hasn't won an event in a very long time. He hasn't won a world title in, in 10 years, you know, and so I'm not basing my love of him or I'm not basing my predictions on my love of him anymore.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, but again, the waves get good and at pipe and Chopu and there's, and Jay Bay, even there's really, he's, he's in the in top, the top three.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Top three, exact. Top, three top five. So at, in big barreling waves, it's him, John, John and Gabriel. Yeah. And then Jack what? Robinson might be throwing a few punches.
1: Oh yes, he is for sure. Come on. So there are surfers in the bottom tiers uh, right now, ranked 20 through 35. Let's flip it over. Let's switch it up a little bit. I've got four guys who I think are most likely to make the cut, to make like the top it. 24 at the midpoint cutoff. And the obvious one to me is Owen Wright. He's ranked 34th in the world. Owen Wright makes the cut.
0: He's coming off of injury. That's why that ranking is so low. He's getting the wildcard injury.
1: He's got pipe. He's got sunset. He's got Portugal where I think he's won. He's got, um, you know, then Australia. So yeah, couple, I don't, I wouldn't
0: people. bet on him for sunset.
1: No, I mean, you can't really bet on anyone except for Jack Robinson. I feel like. And John, John. Yeah. Um Other surfers I, I could see making the move. Seth Moniz. Mm-hmm. He moves and makes it into the top 24 he's ranked 21st right now which is of course within that number but Seth Moniz is a guy who I think makes the cut here's one you're not gonna like I could see Nat Young making the cut and here's why he's got tons of experience in Hawaii he's been going to Hawaii since the NSS since he won the NSSA like 30 years ago um really that's the reason I mean if he gets too 20 solid, years ago it's been a long time Yeah, yeah. He was the NSSA Open champion in like 2000 or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, So, Nat Young, I know he's sort of interchangeable, as you mentioned earlier in the pod about, you know, with other guys. But um, I could see Nat Young making that just based on his competitive prowess and his experience in Hawaii.
0: My two picks from that bottom tier of surfers are Carlos Munoz and Emai kalani No, Eli (laughs) Kalani-DeVault. Those are the two guys that I see like actually having um, not only the talent, but there's like a chutzpah, like a certain thrill to their surfing that I think just um, brings big scores from the judges.
1: Yeah. The last one you mentioned, the Hawaiian youngster, um, Ima Kalani-DeVault, to me, it all depends on his two Hawaiian events. Mm -hmm. And, and, and the feeling is, well, of course, he's Hawaiian. He's going to do great. But that's what I said about Seth Moniz last year at Pipe, yeah. and he lost. Yeah, like Seth Moniz is like a Pipe local. Like, of the local guys, Seth gets what, you know, and he didn't do So I'm concerned about just immediately assuming that DeVault's going to do well at Pipe. You know, there's almost like this, well, of course, it's your local break, you're, you know, that, that puts a little bit of kind of like what um, – our Tahitian friend would have at Chopu, Michel. Michel Beret, where you're like, so, why hasn't he done well? Because there's almost too much, he's the local guy vibe put upon his shoulders.
0: Emai's from Maui. There's a little less expectation from Emai than there is from the legacy of the Moniz family. So he might not have some the same level of pressure as those guys did. But I watched him surf Haliva um, two days ago saw the footage from, you know, Haleva got big and kind of unruly and real exciting. He's freaking shredding out there, you know? And it reminded me, and I, I remember seeing this kid, he was on Volcom back in the day when he was real young, 13 years old. And back then I was like, whoa, this kid, watch out for him. He kind of disappeared. So to now see him living up to that potential uh, is a reminder of what I saw in him when he was 13. And so I, I have hopes for him but he could fall apart like competitive. That's the thing. The world tour is a totally different animal. And a lot of people have a hard time translating that bravado or that like brash talent into competitive results. So he could fall into that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. There's, there's the big sort of unknown in all of this is my own personal, and this is on me, but my own personal uh, my inability to understand where these guys psyche is i know where their physical talents are i've seen that on display you mentioned the vault at Haliva a couple days ago but who's got the adriano de souza that's just like mm-hmm. bulldog if i lose i go back to washing dishes vibe and um it's i'll hard. tell you who does yeah
0: carlos muñoz
1: i agree with that i would agree that's kind of that
0: why way. and he it all remains to be seen. He doesn't even know yet, but I think he's done all the work and preparation. If he doesn't translate that to results this year, then I would uh, abandon that bet for, for the future years. You know, it's like either it's all it's now or never.
1: And I think he's seen the dark side of not doing, doing well. You know, he had a moment a couple of years ago where like Volcom dropped him and it was just like, guess what? You're now giving surf lessons in Tamarindo, you know. Well, not like you that said, that's bad or anything, but that's not really how he planned it.
0: Like you said, back to washing dishes. Yeah, Jordy. And, Jordy doesn't have that uh, sense of urgency,
1: right? So those are some guys. Of course, I'm throwing Jake Marshall in there too. Uh, making the top 24, and um, you know, well, look, there's a bunch of guys we could talk about, but frankly,
0: no need. I, to. I
1: would be ignorant. When I you know, I just don't know about a lot of these guys. Like so this guy from like Lucas Messina. What's, his, wait, what's see, it
0: wait? See, I know Luca. Do you? I've spent t- I've spent time with Luca. I Tell don't know if he's still Luca. On, I don't know if he's still on Quicksilver, but I was doing work with Quicksilver 10 years ago. Does and, Luca uh, so
1: Messina I, have the mental fortitude to make the cut. I don't think so.
0: I love Luca. It's great, it's a great story to see him like kind of coming from Peru and doing what he's done surfed in the Olympics. Um, but yeah, you watch his surfing and it's replaceable. You could replace him with name one of 30 guys that are on the QS right now, you know?
1: Yeah.
0: Well, but we'll see, um, the kind of story that relates to a lot of this, you mentioned Jake Marshall, big sponsor shifts in the surf space this past, uh, 10 days into 2022 which I'm really excited to see some of these brands that we kind of wrote off big brands, big conglomerates or brands that are now owned by conglomerates that we expect it that we thought abandoned the surf industry seem to now be reinvesting in the surf space. So Hurley sponsored the sunset event for the WSL. Did you see that? No. Yeah. So Hurley's back in with sunset sponsorship. They're sponsored Connor O'Leary. They sponsored Jake Marshall. That's his childhood sponsor. So he's back on the Hurley team. They sponsored Gabriella Bryan on the women's side. Uh, the other big one was Chloe Andino. He ended his contract with Hurley a few months ago. He's recently signed with O'Neill. So for a long time, I feel like O'Neill had kind of stagnated and they're back with Chloe. Chloe and Jordy are the two big bets on tour, obviously.
1: Yeah. You, yeah. I mean, great. I'm stoked, right? I'm glad these guys are getting some support. This is good. This is a good thing. Well, I'm
0: glad to see surf, those iconic surf brands reinvesting in surfing. Yeah. Now, and Quicksilver, too, is making a move back to Huntington Beach, um, which seems to say that they're reinvesting in uh, the epicenter of surfing. So maybe the surf space.
1: You mean they have- not, not the from,
0: epicenter of surfing, but the epicenter of surf industry.
1: They had moved from that big building in Huntington?
0: Yeah, they uh I forget they went I bankrupt they and a, closed. They moved everything to France. Um, like basically all the redundancies that were in the company under the board writers LLC, mm-hmm. you know, the marketing department, the accounting, all the back end kind of stuff, they consolidated. So they fired all these Southern California people, consolidated everything in the south of France, and then Southwest France. And then just recently they've reopened that building. And they're starting to hire again here.
1: Hmm, That's interesting. All right. Good. Good stuff.
0: Um, So as it relates to that, we could do this real quickly, but just an update on the stab surfer of the year thing that they're doing. Yeah. Where they interview luminaries in the surf space, ask them for their favorite five surfers. They assign points to spot one, spot two, spot three, and then they run an ongoing tabulation. And currently here's the top 10 of the males. John John Florence, Idolo, Gabriel, Koloe, Mason, Benji Brand is in number six, which is again I said it last week. It's a shocker, but it's based on his performance in Snapped Four. Noah Dean, that was an interesting one. Nathan Fletcher's number seven, Jack Robinson eight, Josh Kerr nine, Mikey February ten, actually tied for tenth with equal points or Mikey February, Griffin Colapinto, Peter Mel, um, and Nat Young. Now. The things that stand out to me on this, there's still no Kelly Slater in the top 10. I mentioned that to you last week. There's still no Kai Lenny in the top 10. And further-
1: Hold on for just a sec, because I'm looking at it and it says January 10th, and it's a slightly different list. Is there a January 11th? Go down to page? the bottom of
0: the page. You're probably just looking at the individual person's
1: oh, contribution. Down at
0: the bottom is the running tally. Okay. Thank you. Um, so no Kai Lenny on the list. Obviously no Kelly. The other important thing here is how many 40, 40 to 50-year-olds, 45-year-old plus guys there are. Hold there's, on. This,
1: there's a major problem here. Tom Curran's not on this list. What happened to Tom Curran, man? He got bumped off last week. He was on last week. I know. Okay. Yeah. I'm, I interrupted. Go ahead.
0: Well, he would, he would
1: fit, he would fit what I'm saying,
0: 40 to 50. Yeah. So we've got Pete Mel. We've got Nathan Fletcher. Josh Kerr is probably past the 40 mark at this point. I think that's epic.
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah, good good for these guys good for you and all all guys well it's inspirational isn't it yeah it is i mean when you look at this you go uh uh, i need to tighten up my diet i need to get on (laughs) i need to get on the uh, the uh workout regime a little bit harder and i need to start riding boards with two fins and more foam
1: yeah and maybe pick up pickleball
0: Yeah. Oh, why is Josh Kerr pickleballing
1: now too? No, I'm just, just teasing, just throwing some pickleball out there. Um,
0: Cool. We'll we'll revisit that list. I think it should be solidified next week or within this next week. Um. When you're hiring for a small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. And there's no faster or effective way than through LinkedIn jobs totally free. That's linkedinjobs.com slash surf to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. I want to open the conversation about, or open the door to the conversation about Hawaii. Lots has been going on in Hawaii. Lots of swell uh, this last week. The backdoor shootout ran for two days. The triple crown, the digital triple crown from Vans is happening stabs running a series called the pickup which is like a weekly news show it's a 30 minute news show that happens every tuesday what have you been watching what's going on Uh,
1: i watched a little bit of the pickup and um and i didn't really didn't really grab me too much um um, wow
0: the pickup is my favorite weekly show on any streaming platform really that's interesting
1: i really well i was kind of put off I just feel like Ashton really tries too hard. Oh my gosh. It,
0: well, right. yes. Yes. I mean, the dynamic Ashton, I mean, I don't he want to. He looks him like he's on. really
1: trying to. I don't either. So I he don't know. He always want to talk
0: has. He always has, though. That's the thing. He's and he's finally doing what he's always tried to do, which is hang out with all his, you know, surf celeb buddies, travel the world and get to surf. And good for him. But he just
1: doesn't look comfortable. That's
0: all. It's yeah, it's a little cringy to watch, but even yeah. better than that to me is how bad nathan fletcher looks like he wants to be anywhere else in the world (laughs) like he's sitting there looking off to the side just like i guess i'll answer your question ashton and or he won't even turn to ashton you know he just looks like he would rather be honestly in death valley like in the desert than he would be sitting on the back of that truck
1: Anyway, this is your favorite. Tell me why you like it. I love the show. I I haven't, I tried to watch it and I couldn't watch it.
0: That's pretty bad if that dissuaded you. It's a little bad. Okay. Aside from that, the production, the way they structure, the way that they've built the show, they've refined it over the last few years. The structure is fantastic. It's a 30 minute news show about surfing and what's happening on the North Shore. And um, they do a phenomenal job. They tell you, what the swells are doing, which spots are lighting up, who is out at which spot, which who got the highlight waves at any of those given spots. They do a little medical kind of update with the North Shore Lifeguard Association, give you a couple of tips. They do interviews with surfboard shapers or last week was Harry Bryant about his quiver. This week was John Piesel talking about these kind of subtle differences between Nathan Florence's uh, boards and John John Florence's boards. And these subtle differences, I, I find it to be really, really interesting, you know, and I'm not writing those pointy thrusters that often anymore, but I still just really, really enjoy the nitty kind of detail of that. Um, the uh, They have a news desk where Pua DeSoto, Dwayne DeSoto's daughter, and Tosh Tudor, Josh Tudor's son, read the, the news. Here's what's happening in the surf world this week. That's really good and well done. It, the show's well written. It's well edited. It's engaging. Again, I find myself the 30 minutes is up, and I'm like, huh, I can't wait till next week.
1: Mm, well, that's cool. Maybe I need to just fast forward.
0: So, you know, yeah, definitely. Um, at Pipe, so Pipe was pumping this week. Your boy Ryan Birch is out there. You got a couple sick ones. Sweet. Yeah. I was psyched to see that. Um, the girls at Backdoor unbelievable um we we talk about moana wong at pipe and she has a couple triple crown submissions and that's awesome and she's still killing it but i was surprised to see um coco ho get a couple sick ones at backdoor malia manuel got a super sick one she didn't make but packed the clothes out carissa Moore, of course got a couple of sick ones it made me actually have a lot of faith that if they run in Threatening, sizable conditions. The women's event at Pipe, the Pipe Masters. That there could be some heroics
1: going down. Cool. I know. You know that whole thing with the women that we've been speaking about for a while. That, that like this thing's coming. It, it's happening. It's kind of been thrust upon us rather quickly, which is what we we both intimated that it would. It, you know, boom! This thing's these girls. It's time. Look,
0: it's rather quickly after a decade of kind of um, pregnant pause, you know, like Rochelle Ballard, Keala Kenley, the stuff that they were doing over a decade ago is still benchmark. And so now this new crop of girls is starting to contend with that. But there was a decade vacuum where we were left wanting.
1: There was a couple of girls that surfed pipe though. Um, you know, like Sean, uh, Lynn, Lane Davy, Sean Davy's wife. Oh, really? Surf pipe a lot you know, she was kind of like the one lone. I mean, I guess that I was I was thinking to myself, some of the pioneers are there women pioneers at Pipe, you know, and you mentioned Rochelle, and you mentioned for Shirkala, and I'm sure there are, like, maybe Lane Davies in there, I'm sure there's a couple that I don't even know about, because I'm not from there, but um, yeah. you know, well the pioneer women, let's not forget the pioneers. No.
0: Um, so the Stab, it's called the Pickup, it's a Stab premium feature. They post snippets of it and a trailer of it on YouTube, but the full 30 minute episode, you can only get if you're a premium member. But if you want to track what's going on on the North shore day to day, Peter King's Instagram feed is where I would go to do it. Peter King is one of the hardest working men in surf video business. He was with Hurley. He was with the WSL. Now he's kind of seems to be freelancing, but he's in tight with everybody. So if Kelly's surfing, Peter gets the call. If John, John's surfing, Peter gets the call. And um, he does a phenomenal job of not only posting those guys' A clips, but all of, whoever whoever was shredding is gonna get featured on his Instagram in the stories or on the posts. Kalani David's been getting a lot of epic clips wherever the waves are pumping. Um, so check that out. The other thing that was taking place is the Dahui backdoor shootout. Did you watch any of that?
1: I did. I did watch a bunch of the, sorry, I was going to Peter King's website. I mean, Instagram. Um, Yeah. uh, I watched it. Let me uh, refresh my memory here.
0: So it takes four days. It It takes four days to run the event. They've run two days thus far uh, and the waves are absolutely pumping. The first day was like perfect, as good as you could get essentially. And then the second day was bigger and kind of more unruly, I would say, not as perfect, but still phenomenal waves. This is a team format. And I think that they run the entire team in a heat together. So there's less kind of infighting or paddle yeah. battles or whatever. Yeah. And the teams, the teams, there's no um, strict criteria for how you form a team. Some of them are sponsored teams, like Dahui Wax has a team, and then Quicksilver has a team. One of them is the Snapped team from the film Snapped 4, Mason Ho, Benji Brand, those guys. And then Florence has a team, you know, a family team, because <laughs> they have enough pipe surfers in the family to be a part of that team. Um, and the
1: Peruvian, the Peruvians have a team, right? And then right. there's Longboard graphic Geographic
0: division. team, right. Women's team, Kiala Kenley, yeah. Moana Wong. In addition to that, the scoring goes up to 12.
1: Wow, not 11. They're just like, you know what, Spinal Tap, <laughs> screw you. I think it used to be 11. I think it used to be
0: 11, but this year there's 12. So, you know, 10 for a perfect ride, 11 for a wave that mother nature provides that we didn't even anticipate. And then 12 for the guy who gets that wave that mother nature provides, disappears completely. We all think he wiped out or she wiped out and then emerges
1: after the spin. And Ballerum Stack got an 11, right? On that one left, it was incredible. Incredible. Yeah. incredible that's Everyone's i mean
0: yeah that thing's insane yeah. and ballroom seems to do that year after year it does it's, it's
1: interesting because i was thinking about like pipe surfers and who gets waves out there and how it all goes down and the you know the psychology of the tribe out there and it's interesting because east coasters it seems like they have more grit you know and, and and again i'm generalizing i know that there's west coasters that get waves out there but when I think about North Americans, not Hawaiians, but guys from the mainland, I don't know what it is. It, maybe it falls in, into that, you know, they're hungrier. They're just hungrier. You know, like if you're from Florida or New Jersey, like these guys just put in the time. They're willing to take the beatings. They're they're a little more blue collar. Um, am I wrong there? Do you think that that's just a, it's sort of a silly generalization on my part?
0: No, there's something to it. Um, Kelly, the Hobgoods, Bollerum the um, list probably goes on from there
1: well who's the who's the redneck cowboy um from way back in the 80s from florida Um todd um uh, who am i thinking you know who i mean he was I on the ct no, I, I can't think of it todd. redneck florida yeah i think it's oh redneck. yeah yeah todd holland yeah todd holland like he he was a charger out there yeah uh, again i'm not saying look there's you know joel's there's west coast guys that are but it just seems like Ballerum has committed to pipeline. Like this is yeah. his like probably his eighth or ninth or 10th season. And he's consistently there as opposed to like, you know, one year wonder guy shows up and gets one good one and then calls it quits and leaves and, you know, had his moment of fame at pipe. But Ballerum is committed to the, to the pipe legacy, to the pipe tribe. He's one of them. Some of it could be, I think he's a vocal writer, right? Or he was at one point. Yeah.
0: No, he, he still is. And that was a gamble to me. When Volcom picked him up, it was when everybody was being dropped. And I was like, you know, the, Volcom could pick anybody they want, essentially, because there's just that much yeah. talent available. And I thought it was a surprising pick for them. And then I thought, well, it is the East Coast thing. Like they need East Coast representation. So that's probably what it is. But he's paying off. Every year, year in and year out. And even if he disappears for nine months and I don't see much of him, he shows up when it matters and gets the waves that matter. So,
1: yeah.
0: um, The other East coast talent that's charging out there right now is Cam Richards.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Year in and year out.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, You mentioned last week, it seemed like completely just out of the blue that, you would love to see somebody like Barton Lynch. You're like, Barton Lynch should be a judge. He's a great commentator, but we need guys like that in the judging booth. Guess who's in the judging booth at the Dahui Backdoor Shootout? Barton Lynch. No, actually he's not, but no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, of course he is. Um, Barton Lynch, Flynn Novak, and Dean, Dean Morrison. Oh,
1: that's very interesting.
0: I think it's a, it's a diverse panel and it's awesome. Yeah. I think those are great picks.
1: I do too. I, I can't speak for, for Dean Morrison really, to be honest with you. I, and I just, you know, I sort of highlight Barton cause we've all heard him break down surfing to the point where it's like, that's the way a judge should break it down. You know, like mm-hmm. why not have him be a judge? Like he's kind of getting, he, he kind of simplifies it too. You know, like it doesn't, he doesn't get too algorithm, you know, not a lot of algorithms going through his brain. He's just like, look, that was a hard turn off the rail, not just off, you know, whatever he might say, you know,
0: I think there's um, you're right. There could have been other people who'd be a better choice than Dean Morrison, but he's totally qualified to do it as well.
1: Well, I'm not saying he's a bad choice. I just saying, I don't know anything about him as a judge, you know, like I'm not, I'm not saying he's not good. I just, I don't know anything about him as a
0: judge, but I've seen him charging out there. That's the qualifier. I think.
1: I I don't know about that. Well, maybe I'm not doubting that he doesn't charge. I'm just thinking from a judging standpoint, you know, you know, like I do know. Yeah, if you could, if you could have a perfect judging panel, like if you could just handpick the judges, it Kelly. would be Kelly, Barton Lynch, and um, I mean we know those two, right? And I'm sure there's a couple of other obvious ones where you're like, it's a no brainer. Those guys would be great judges.
0: I would want somebody younger in there as well, a Gabriel Medina.
1: Sorry, you guys are off the tour. You're in the judges' panel.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> Gabe, you're gonna have to sit this year out and judge Idolo versus John John.
1: <laughs> it's interesting. Maybe Adriano's a guy that that would be a good judge. I don't know. I, I really don't know. And that's what I mean yeah. about Dean Morrison. I don't know. I mean, yeah, they all surf well, but are they like really combing through the intricacies of every situation? You know, who knows.
0: Yeah, it's a thankless job, to be honest. I would not want to be sitting there for eight hours watching every single wave and having that weight of getting the right calls. Oh,
1: yeah, it's a horrible, horrible job. You know who would be a good? I mean, Mike Parsons. Yeah, analytical I mind. Mean, uh, Gino Dino might be really good. You know, like yeah. he's, he, he knows competitive surfing. Yeah. You know, guys like that.
0: So the other two big news stories this week, um, in order, I will say, Nazare biggest swell of the season. Uh, Oh my God. Big and perfect all day from sunup to sundown. And then I mentioned the, the Burley board riders, single fin event. It's a lesser, less of a story, but still interesting. What do you got to say about Nazare?
1: I've got a, I've got a hot take on Nazare and it's could cause some could cause some issues. I hope not, but dying to hear it. Here's my hot take. Every other big wave spot in the world, the surfer does a bottom turn. (laughs) And if you've watched the surfers at Nazare, like Lucas Chumbo, these these incredible professional athletes that put their lives on the line. Don't get me wrong. I'm not doubting their abilities. But I guess what I'm saying is if you never go to the bottom of the wave, have you really ridden a hundred foot wave? Like no. to me, you rode a 50 foot wave. You did, Agreed. you turned at the 50 foot mark. To ride a 100 foot wave, you got to go down to the bottom of it and do a bottom turn. And that's my hot take that it's the only big wave in the world where these guys are getting credit for riding 100 foot waves when they're actually not going down to the bottom of the wave and thus not riding a 100 foot wave. They're riding a 50 foot wave. Again, I don't, I don't want to call it spinal tap. I don't know. It's not widely reported. Drummers spontaneously combust and it just <sighs> never reported.
0: I'll nitpick slightly, but I agree with you, your your sentiment. Okay. Uh, lots of waves at back door. The surfer doesn't go to the bottom of the wave, you know, or, or even at Jaws, Albie Lay or knifing in I'm on talking the. Talking about
1: big waves, though. back door is so, different. I'm so talking even about Jaws, big wave spots, Jaws, right? Jaws.
0: Okay, Pete Mel's wave at Mavericks. He kind of knifed he in the bottom. He took a mid. He took a mid face bottom turn. It was kind of a knife. It wasn't a proper bottom turn you know, is more of an angled approach, but what you're saying still matters because the fact is there's no bottom at Nazare. It's just a slope. You know, it's just this infinite slope. There's no bottom. Therefore there's no, or there's no trough, let's say. So there's no way to measure trough to crest. And therefore it's a totally different thing. And I wouldn't judge it the same way that I would judge a wave at Mavericks or Jaws or anywhere else
1: you know what's interesting about what you just said is that as i think back here because there was one wave that lucas caught that was just mind-blowing i put it on my instagram feed and it basically measures out to like 102 feet according to me unscientific. Blah scientific blah 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 i'm not going to nitpick about the size but he does the turn about let's call it halfway down the, the way if he does the turn and he does the turn there because that's where the trough is the trough is actually. Half thats where you do the turn. To energy. Go get up that's into, where the energy. The, and it's like that, you know, that sort of that top tube, you know, that I tube up at the top of the wave. Yeah. That's where the trough is. Like. Yeah. So if the trough is there, maybe that's where you should measure the wave from, from where they do the bottom turn. And yeah. If they're doing the bottom turn at halfway down the wave, that means the remainder of the wave in front of them isn't really the wave at all. Hot. Tape, so coming in hot
0: look, I guess, how uh, are you, have you lost interest in Nazare is my question to you? Because I saw that that was the day of days. Yeah. And then I see the clip that you're talking about. And I'm like, I know it's only 30 seconds on my phone screen and I have 30 seconds available. I still scroll right past. I go, unless this wave pops up, on three or four different accounts, meaning like it's worth the highlight, it's worth my time, it is a highlight wave, I just scroll right past because it's lost my interest as a, as a venue.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, I'll just go watch some skiing some skiing footage, you know, like I'll watch a guy ski down a 700-foot wave, you, right. know, a center, you know, a mountain.
2: Right. You know,
1: like, it is kind of, I, I totally agree with you, There, it, it has lost some of its luster. Unless yeah. sadly it's like, hey, look at this car wreck. Right. I might not necessarily watch it. Well, by the way, did you see this movie called The Alpinist?
0: Uh I've no, I've not watched it. I see it advertised on Netflix. I haven't watched it.
1: Oh my god. You gotta watch this movie, dude. All right, I'll do it. The Alpinist. It's friggin' heavy. It's pretty gnarly. <laughs> it, it's it's mind <laughs> blowing what this guy does. It's mind <laughs> blowing. It it, it blows. Alex Honnold and Free Solo out of the water. It's
0: the dude who's actually from Nepal, right?
1: I'm not going to tell you anything else. I, I think I actually did watch. start
0: watching the first 10 minutes and then I got distracted. I'll put it back on. Um, and then, and it's on Netflix for anybody who wants to see it. Um, so the one thing that blew my mind, though, about that day of day at Nazare, yeah. Yeah. day of days, um, these guys were surfing like from sunup till sundown. Nick Von Rupp said, He was in his wetsuit out there in the water for that entirety of that day. What is the average length of your sessions?
1: (laughs) They're they're very short. Mine are getting shorter and shorter. 45 minutes, like an hour session is like, that's like, you know what I mean? Like. But Mine I'll do is... two or three, I'll do two or three 45 minute sessions, but I don't do two hour sessions anymore. I can't.
0: Me neither. Me neither. It's so funny. Even when the waves are good, I'm kind of like, it's, it's so regimented for me now. Like it's become a part of my, okay, I get up and I, I do certain, I have a routine and I do certain things. And then I go and I clock in for 45 minutes or an hour. I get my five waves that I needed to get. Okay. Check that box. But the reality, I think the reason why I'm operating in that mode is got to get back to the baby, got to answer those emails. I got a bunch of work that needs to get done. The bottles need to get washed. The dishes need to get done. The laundry needs to get done. The grocery store. I have all. And so I can only squeeze in an hour. But the, the, the idea of like spending three hours of like aimless time in the water is so foreign to me now.
1: <laughs> me too, man. I remember those days. Look, we're older, responsible adults. I remember the days at Blacks where it was all day long, but that's when you're 22, not 52.
0: I just can't imagine the wrath I'll incur when I get back. Like, oh my God, I was away from my phone for three hours. Everyone needs me.
1: Oh yeah, I have a hundred notifications. Um, What's funny about that is it spills over to vacations for me too. For surf trips, like surf trips, like like an 11 day trip to Indo is like, Oh my God, I'm going to be gone for 11 days. You know, whereas in the past would be like, hell yeah, let's make it 17 days. Yeah. Now I'm like, you know, it's perfect three or four days. I boom, know. boom. Get my three or four days in and come back. And like, I haven't, I'm still sort of checked into life.
0: The plates are still spinning. Yes. Yeah. An 11 day the amount of work prep to leave like to keep the plates in the air or whatever would almost n- not make it worth the 11 days. I won't even be able to relax because I have done so much prep. And then the cleanup when I get back is also going to negate the vacation. Um, real quick, Burley Board Riders Single Fin Event. This is the 25th year that they've been doing it. This is a phenomenal event. I forget about it every year until it happens. Then I see some clips and I'm like, what a cool deal. So the Burley Board Riders Club puts it together. They have to all ride pre-1985 single fins. Um, It's basically celebrating the surf heritage and history of that that era and place. Um, Last year, Quinn Bruce and Dimity Stoyle won. I was thinking, I've never heard of Quinn Bruce before. Imagine having that bragging rights over brendan margison joel parkinson is in the event brad gerlach's in the event like that is epic you know like just presumably quinn bruce is just working a regular job he's a great local surfer and he probably had his heyday in the 80s when he was riding that style of boards and he goes out there and bests all of his idols it's an epic story this year maddie job won quinn bruce got second micah margison i think that's brendan margison's son uh third and uh yeah epic event looked like an epic event i heard the commentary was all time jed smith stace galbraith and rabbit in the booth um cool knocking back tins, getting loose
1: Uh oh -oh. Uh -oh. okay that sounds interesting yeah i heard it was awesome i bet it was and i'm a big fan of of that whole australian thing you know boardwriters culture in the 70s those points rabbit bartholomew those guys were my heroes rabbit bugs to this day is like the guy like he's like totally. kind of like he's like my guy like i his whole vibe is all the media that they put out on him the like free ride the whole thing um just bugs he was the shit great style
2: Uh,
0: yesterday maybe late last night jamie brisick posted that photo of him pulling into the shore break at i want to say it's probably like aukai or something do you remember this photo no i'm I'm gonna send it to you right now um it's such an epic photo
1: is it all bug style yeah yeah
0: um wearing white trunks on a single fin lightning bolt um there you are. Just like a macking shore break, you know, like caught the wave on the outside, it hit the inside sandbar and he pulls in and the things like three times larger behind
1: him as it is in front of him, but it's just so cool looking.
0: Did you get it?
1: I, I'm i opening it right now and it's just a photo. Of, oh yeah. This is an old shot. The Jeff, Jeff
0: just, divine photo. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is an old shot. I thought this was going to be, Rabbit no. yesterday at Aikai or something. No, 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 no. Oh yeah, this is a great shot. Yeah, yeah. You know, it has another shot like this is um, Art Brewer has a series of shots that are kind of similar to this. Anyway, yeah, uh, love that whole vibe. Great shot.
0: Uh, so I've got a musty moment: a Duke and a Kook. Do you have anything else? No, no. That's that's all I got. So my musty moment actually hit the internet on January second, but I didn't get a chance to watch it until yesterday. It's called This Is Mikey February, and it's um edit of Mikey, nine-minute-long edit of Mikey yeah. surfing, edited yeah. by Dane
1: Reynolds himself. Right, right. Did you watch? No, I'm, I saw it. on. I've been on Stab this morning, and it was on my things to watch.
0: You need nine minutes to watch it. It is worth every moment. Um, Mikey February has it all, dude. Like, I know... A lot's been said about him in this past year. I undersold him when he was on tour, certainly. And even in recent years, I'm like, yeah, I get it, but whatever. This edit proved me wrong. Like the first port, first of all, it's all in Mexico. It was filmed when they, when stab was down there doing the stab 100 trip. So Dane was there, Mikey's there. This is a bunch of free surf footage of Mikey. So it's all right-hand point breaks, which we got tired of at the time, but it was worth watching now. The first thing that we see is Mikey riding a pointy thruster. So for the first two or three minutes, and it, seeing guys on longer railed boards is so refreshing when we're in the era that we're in now, where people are riding a lot of alternative craft to see somebody with a little bit more rail line is awesome. And Mikey really knows how to get the most out of the rails. So, um, I, I loved every minute of this.
1: Yeah. I'm a big fan um, and I'm watching it right now and um, looking forward to seeing some it's, surfing here.
0: It's one long jazz track as the soundtrack oh, and it suits it really well. Oh, cool. One thing I'll say about it is um, you, I was watching it thinking, why is this so compelling to me? Like he's on a right hand point break and his approach is the same on every single wave yet. What he ends up doing on each wave is different, and so why, why does this never get boring to me? Like, it, and it reminded me of watching Taylor Knox when I was young. Taylor Knox had the same exact approach on every wave that he got. It was power based. It was bottom turn, and then aim up either for the lip or, you know, for the open face rail but he's going through the exact same motions every time. And depending on what the wave does, then he slightly undulates into a different turn. Maybe it slides a little bit. Maybe it's more rail this time or that time, but there's something so relatable as the viewer, as this is how you surf. You set the line, you have this fundamental, and then regardless of what the wave does, your core is strong, your fundamentals are strong, and you will be able to kind of react in that moment. And Mikey February isn't the same power surfer that Taylor Knox is, but the fact that his approach is exactly the same every time he stands up is what reminds me of Taylor.
1: Yeah, I'm going to watch it. I mean, I got it all que- queued up here and I'm going, to, I'm going to give it a spin and check it out. So I'm looking forward to that. By the way, we got a lot of email from people or I did. Um, various, uh, various ways of getting a hold of me that Caitlin Simmers is from Oceanside. She's neither from Hawaii nor from Ventura as, as we offered last week. So Caitlin Simmers from Oceanside. There's quite a contingent of Oceanside residents that wanted us to get that, make that clear.
0: Good. Thank you for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. My Duke is kind of a sh- out of the blue too. Uh, Crosby Colopinto. Mm. Crosby's been making inroads this past year. He was in Chloe Andino's film. Anytime he shows up, I'm kind of surprised how good he surfs and he's in Hawaii right now. And he's doing it again. Like he's dropped a couple of clips that I'm like, Holy crap. Like he is the real deal. I'm a big fan.
1: Yeah. It'd be fun to see him on tour. Yeah.
0: Big shoes to fill. He's tall. He's lanky. People are, have, compared his style to kind of Andy Irons. Um, I'll just say that. I don't say whether I confirm or deny it, but I will say that. And uh, yeah, he's delivering the goods at big Hawaii surf right now. My kook of the week is one Noah Dean who got denied entry into Hawaii. He flew from Australia, landed in Hawaii and was denied entry. Apparently he had the wrong visa. And uh, it's a kook move. Your career Depends on this. This is what you're paid to do. You should be in Hawaii for those two months.
1: So kook of the week. Wow. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Well, look. Um, anything else?
0: I would like to give some love to our longtime partner, Need Neat Essentials. NeatEssentials.com. Uh, I love them. I wear them every single day. The wetsuit and then the jacket that Scott's showing off. Talks so the camera. Jacket. it?
1: The jacket is through the roof, warm. It's my go-to winter fluffy. It's got the killer little hoodie right here. Bada bing, dude. Are you kidding me? I'm in my little hovel in here. It's like 40 degrees. And with this jacket, it's all good.
0: Um, I had a buddy who does, or have a buddy who does lobster diving. And he's like, yeah, I just freaking, I don't have a hood. It's kind of cold. I'm like, boom. Need I went that afternoon neatessentials.com ordered a hood uh balaclava type hood sent it to him didn't even tell him it showed up on his doorstep i mean honestly two days later and uh so they've got everything you need nothing you don't
1: heck yeah Needessentials.com, the essentials usa
0: awesome scott okay good show
1: yes good show and then uh until next time david Audios and aloha I'm not ashamed to say
2: I hope it always will stay this way my hat is off won't you stand up and take a bow Take